0: This morning, um, we're celebrating specifically the birth of Jesus. There was more to the life of Jesus than his death. One of the things that the church centers on is his death, and rightfully so. But there was a reason that Jesus was born, and it was more than just to die. I want you to think for a minute all that Jesus left. Jesus was in the heavenlies, and although we can't imagine what that's like, we're given glimpses of it in scripture, and it is beyond anything that we have ever seen or could really even imagine. I mean, think for a minute about a world like we live in without a curse. Imagine A world where there's fruit from your labor. (laughs) Imagine a world where you're not constantly betrayed. (laughs) Imagine a world where you are genuinely loved without mixed motives. And I mean, Jesus was in the midst of heaven, (laughs) He was in the midst of the perfect, He was in the midst of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he left all of that, not just to accomplish the mission of death, but he left all of that to send a message to you and to I. And that message was, I love you. I love you and I want to walk with you. Jesus didn't just send us bail money, okay? We're in prison right now. Whether you understand that or not, you are in prison. (laughs) Because this world, as Scripture teaches, it's cursed. It's a prison. But Jesus came. He didn't just send bail money. He said, I'm coming. And I'm going to live life with you. And one of the reasons He did that is this. To simply die for us in a sense wasn't enough because it's kind of like this. It's kind of like a person who doesn't know how to handle money winning the lottery. Now many of us think, oh, if I could just win the lottery, boy, that would just fix everything. But here's what research shows. Research shows that most people who win the lottery actually don't know how to handle money and they lose it all in a short time and they're back to square one. Well, Jesus didn't just die for us. He came to show us how to live in freedom. You see what I'm saying? If you go to prison, come out, and don't change anything, guess what? You're going back. Jesus died to set you free, but not just to give you a ticket and say, Oh, here, here's some freedom. Jesus was born among us to show us how to live in that freedom. And He left everything to do it. And when we understand that, and when we put our eyes on that, it will transform us. And the thing is, is that the enemy knows that, and so he will do everything possible to get our eyes off of Jesus. I mean, Christmas is really a simple thing. It's just about Jesus. That's it. But we have made it unbelievably complex to the point that some of us dread it. Why has that happened? Because the enemy wants to simply get your eyes off of Jesus. Because he knows that if your eyes are truly on Jesus, you will experience the things of Jesus. You will experience freedom. You will experience peace. You will experience joy. And you know what? You don't have to be rich to experience all those things. That's part of the reason that Jesus was born in the circumstance that He was. He was literally born and placed in an animal trough. He was not born among the elite. You know, that's one thing about Moses. He was born and he was placed among the elite. Jesus was not. Why? Because he wanted to show us that you can have joy, peace, freedom, and all that, and you don't have to have extreme wealth. That's not where it's found. And so, the enemy, knowing this, has developed a scheme to get our eyes off of Jesus. And I want to talk about that this morning. But first, I have an illustration. My illustration involves a board. And to complete this illustration, I'm actually going to need a volunteer and they're going to be using a tape, and they're going to be using a pen. Eli, I think you would make a great volunteer. Are you willing to come up? Yay. Oh, no, no, Oh, we got two of them. I meant this one, sorry. Eli. Yeah, yeah, come on. They were right in line, so he thought I was looking. I'm sorry. Have you ever used a tape measure? Okay. So... Here's what you're gonna do, Eli, and don't worry, while you're doing this, I'm gonna continue talking, so they might stare at you, but I'll try and distract them, okay? So what you're gonna do is, you're gonna come down to the end, you're gonna measure out six inches, okay, and you're gonna make a mark. Then you're gonna take the end of the tape measure, put it on that six inch mark, and then just keep going down, I want you to do it all the way to the end of the board, okay? Simple, okay? Now, while he's doing that, I wanna share something with you. Um, In a town other than Cesar, actually uh, in another place, and some years before when we now live, there was a man who came into some money, okay? And actually, the way that this guy handled his money is that he ended up with not much money, But it's not because he went out and just bought a bunch of stuff. What he did with his money is he started looking for people to give it to. And he sought to do it in such a way that others would not know who he was. You see, when he read in the Scripture in Acts that people uh, sold everything that they have, he took it seriously. When he read the account in the Gospels of the rich young man that Jesus said, I want you to go and sell everything and follow me, he took it seriously. And one of the examples of his giving came with a man who had three daughters. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Uh, But the three daughters that the man had, he was concerned about because he was extremely poor. Like I mean really poor. His daughters were coming of age and he was fearful that because they were in such abject poverty that his daughters would end up selling themselves into prostitution in order to try to make a living. And so, in order to combat this, the man anonymously put some money into their house in order to save the daughters. Now, initially, what he put in the first time was able to save the first daughter. And so, he continued it again Now, the father was extremely grateful, but the father was also extremely curious. And so after this happened twice, he kept his eyes open. He wanted to know who's coming into my house and putting this money in. And so one day he waited, one evening he waited, and he saw the person who did it. And he found out who the person was. And from that point on, the stories started to spread about this man who was giving away his wealth. So much so that in the town, the town made him their preacher. Because they're like, this guy is living out what it is to follow Jesus. We're going to make this guy our preacher. And so they did. And the man continued to give away his wealth. And he followed Jesus in such a way that those who did not follow Jesus hated him. To the point that they put him in jail, but he continued to follow Jesus. Now, some of you probably know this, but the man's name was Nicholas. He's the person that we call Saint Nicholas. And because of his actions, the world the world now celebrates what he did. But here's what happened, though. The whole point of what he did was to point to Jesus, to live out the life of Jesus. But something happened as people began to tell his story. As they began to tell his story, they began to add to it, make it a little bit better, make it a little bit better. And as they kept making it better, what happened was they actually took their eyes off the source, which was Jesus, which was actually the best story of all. And when we do that, there's a danger. And we're going to look at that danger with the board Eli measured out. Thank you, Eli. All right. So, if you go out six inches Uh, This board is just over six feet, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to measure out 72 inches, but I'm going to measure it from the end, okay? I'm going to stay with the source because what Eli did, and I told him to do this, is he kept moving his tape. Now, it should work out because he kept moving his tape to the six-inch mark, okay? So his mark should be exactly where mine is at, okay, okay? if he did it perfectly. But he was doing it taking his eyes off the source. I'm going to keep the end of my tape on the source, and I'm going to go out to the end. I'm going to try to keep it hooked. Trevor, can you hold my tape? (laughs) Somebody has bent the tape. All right, thank you. Okay. This is where 72 inches should actually be. This is the mark that Eli made. Now, Roscoe, I'm not bringing the board to you. You're just going to have to trust me on this. I know you would. <laughs> here, here is the... Mark, Eli made, here is where it should actually be. It's a half an inch off. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but here's the deal. What if you did that with a building? What if you laid out this entire building that way? If you, over six feet, every six feet, became a half an inch off, by the time that you set one corner and got to the other corner's, you would be several feet off. Can you imagine what your building would look like? It would be a mess. Scripture calls Jesus the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone because our eyes are to be on him and everything that we do and live and build upon, we are to have our eyes on him. And that and the reason they call him the cornerstone is because that's how you lay out a building and keep it square. You set one cornerstone and everything comes off of that. You don't just add and then, and then mark off another add and then mark off another add. In your mind, it may seem like it should work, but it never does. We always have to go back to the source. And so what I believe the Lord wants to share with us today is very simple. Put your eyes on Jesus. That's it. As you go through this Christmas celebration, and beyond it, but right now, as you're going through this Christmas celebration, simply put your eyes on Jesus. That's it. You don't have to get complex with things. You don't have to think through everything. Well, you know, this tradition that I do. Should I do this? Should I not? I do, I'm just saying, put your eyes on Jesus. Because the thing is, is that when we put our eyes on Jesus, we're going to begin to see whether or not the things, the traditions that we do to celebrate are actually honoring Jesus or they're not. Because we've gotten so far off that there are many people who will celebrate Christmas who know nothing about Jesus. And yet they're celebrating Christmas. How does that make sense? Because we're so far off. But when we do that, here's what happens. We miss out On all that Jesus came to give us. We miss out on the peace and the joy that we sing about. Did you know that you can sing about peace and joy and be absolutely miserable? Yeah. But when you have that peace and joy inside of you, you can be in a miserable place and have joy. That's the difference. I want to look at a scripture, Um, and it's a non-traditional Christmas scripture, but it directs us to what I believe the Lord wants to say today. Um, The Lord gives another example uh, during the time of Jesus in the church about how people got off track, and they didn't mean to. They just simply took their eyes off Jesus, and they were doing things to try and worship God. But instead of keeping their eyes on God, they started to put their eyes on the way that they worship. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of like the mark. Instead of keeping your eye on the source, you put your eye on what you're doing, and then you build upon that, and then you build upon that, and somehow without knowing it, you actually get away from celebrating Jesus. The Scripture is Mark chapter 7. And um, I'm going to kind of fly through this scripture, okay? Because I just want to hit a few key points about it. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. So obviously this is after Jesus is alive and he's in his ministry. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. Which, by the way, my mom trained me in that, so if I see you doing that, I'm going to keep my distance. Verse 3 says, the Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Now the thing is, is that this isn't about health. Okay, What this is actually about is it's a ceremony symbolizing the fact that we need to be continually cleansed. It's not a bad thing. But the problem is, is that it was never a commandment of God. It's just something that they decided to start doing. But then over the years, what happened was they just focused on it to the point that it it is like a command. And to the point that even not only is it a command, but they began to deny other commands in order to lift this command up. Is that crazy? But we do it right now in the way that we celebrate Christmas many times. We focus so much on traditions we've lifted up that were meant to be good, but we actually deny the best things because we're so focused on the things that aren't the best. So it goes on. It says, similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one, one of the many traditions they have clung to such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. again, it says they're not doing this for health reasons. This is ceremony, okay? It's symbolizing something spiritual. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand washing ceremony. Jesus replied, You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. You substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully step aside or sidestep God's law in order to hold up your own tradition. For instance, he's going to give another example here. Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. That's pretty serious. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you, In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Now, I want to explain this very quickly, okay? So they didn't have Social Security then, okay? And so when a parent was beyond the working age, many times what would happen is, is that the kids would have to take care of them they had no other source. But what some of the kids were doing were this, they weren't taking money out of their, we're not talking about a tithe here, okay? These people were already tithing. But what they were doing was that they were saying, not only am I gonna give a tithe, but I'm gonna give a bunch of this other money that could have been used to help my parents live. I'm gonna give it to, and, and here's the thing, they're not giving it to the preacher. The way that this was set up is that the church had political power. What they were doing was giving it to the politicians of the day because the politicians could help them with things that they wanted. So think about that. You get to a place, you've got no money, you've got a kid who's expected to take care of you, and that kid says, Sorry, Mom and Dad, you're going to have to go live in poverty. I'm going to give my money to this politician because they can help me out with some stuff. And I'm going to do it because that's the way that God would want me to honor Him. That sounds ridiculous, but that's where we get to when we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, when we don't keep our eyes on the Word. Because what these people were doing was they were focused on a tradition that was made from a tradition that was made from a tradition that was made from the Word, but they weren't focused on the Word. Just like the board. Measuring from a mark that was measured from a mark that was measured from a mark. Eventually, we get off track, and we don't even know it. Because the thing is, is that as Eli measured out, you probably couldn't even see how far off he was with your eyes on just one mark. But it slowly played out to where he got off track. But the good news is this. The way that we can fix all of this is just, boom, put our eyes back on the source. That's it. We don't have to go through each mark and try to get it right. We just go back to the source and we redo it. And we keep our eyes on the source. I'm just going to read through the end of this here. Verse 17 says, Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. He then added, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Here was his purpose, because here was what was happening. They were so focused on just washing their hands, and when people saw you washing your hands in the ceremonial way, what people would think is, wow, you are so holy. You are so focused on God. And because they were so focused on that, what happened was, they took their mind off of other things that were way more important, like, hey you've been stealing from your neighbor because you moved the boundary line and you thought you were justified in doing it. Or you sold whatever it was you sold to your neighbor for more than you should have, and it was really theft even though you justified it. Or the fact that you were uh, sneaking out with your neighbor's spouse because, you know, you're mad at your spouse and you're thinking it's okay. Hey, that was actually adultery. But all their eyes were off of that because, hey, I'm washing my hands. (laughs) That may sound ridiculous, and it is, but we live in that. We live in that. I grew up in a town north of here that had um, a tradition that I won't name, but most of their church services were on Saturday night. And it was on Saturday night so that they could do whatever they wanted later Saturday night and sleep it off on Sunday. But it was okay Because they would go in and they had such formal services. I mean, it was so reverent that you would just be in awe. But it didn't change what was in here. And so the thing is this. Your house may be decorated to the hilt right now. And that's awesome. I love Christmas lights, okay? But... And you may be giving out some really awesome presents to people. But if you're not focused on Jesus, you're not living in the peace and in the joy that he wants you to. And there may be some other people around you going, wow, that's impressive. But inside, you're rotting and you know it because you feel it. But you keep trying to act something out. And this morning, Jesus wants to give you an invitation. You don't have to act it out anymore. Just turn your eyes towards Him, focus on Him, and let Him lead you in how to celebrate not only Him, but how to celebrate the life that He's given you to change your life. I hope you'll accept that invitation. Jesus, thank you that You did die for us because we absolutely needed that. But Lord, thank you also that you came to show us how to live. Lord, I pray that each one of us here would see you with spiritual eyes. And that through that, Lord, that our lives would be changed, not only through this Christmas season but through the rest of our life, that we would live differently because of the sacrifice that you made through living among us. Your death was not easy, Lord, but neither was living among us. And so this morning, we just want to praise you for that. And again, Lord, I just just pray that our hearts would be touched through this. In Jesus' name, amen.